Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Well, beloved, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, continuing in the Lord's Prayer. We're going to cover some ground today. We're going to make it all the way through verse 10. Uh, Last week, we went through verse 9. We we addressed the first petition. And today, we're going to be covering petitions 2 and 3. Um, I gave a little bit of a context, I think, last time, talking about how Jesus is addressing um, different characteristics, what what we do in regards to prayer, uh, in regards to fasting. Um, And I want to give you some more uh, information on this prayer. So I believe there are, are six petitions, and I think they follow underneath two headings here. One focuses on lordship. The first three petitions speak on our Lord, how we are to glorify his name, how we are to submit to him and be obedient, how we interact with our sovereign, who is also our heavenly father. And then the last three petitions deal with our human need, our daily bread, uh, our need for forgiveness, our need for deliverance. So hopefully that will help you with kind of counting and, and structurizing this. Last week I, I encouraged you to maybe create a discipline with this prayer where this serves as an outline. When you go before God regularly, elevating his name, designed for his kingdom, going and confessing maybe sins, mentioning to him deliverances you are needing, I encouraged um, young families to maybe take some of these different petitions uh, throughout the week. Hopefully you've been able to do that, and if not, you have freedom not to do so. Um, When when pastors recommend you do something, we're not trying to promote ourselves. Like, I'm I'm not put out or discouraged when you don't do maybe something I suggest here. It's just... Usually in study, we've been overwhelmed by something in God's word, and we just want to share it. So that was the hope um, for me last week, was just just to share some ways in which I have experienced this prayer. Well, I want to read verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. There's a lot of thought about the kingdom of God. In the Old and New Testament... Kingdom is a very weighty theme. Now, we live in a land where we don't have a king. We have elected officials. And usually, they are supposed to represent the desires of the people. If they don't do what the people have asked their leader to do, they're removed. Sometimes they're fired. Kings didn't function in that way. They didn't ask for a census of the people all the time. And even when they did, sometimes they didn't care. Remember Solomon's son? 
Solomon's chief advisor saying, hey, hey, Solomon made us filthy rich, but you got to ease up. Well, I don't know. I'm young. I want to show my power. I want to flex. I want to be more powerful. And he goes to his little circle of, of peers. You know, guys, what should I do? You guys really know me. What should the next generation be known for? You should be harder than your dad. You should put a, a heavier load upon them. And then you'll really get to build marvelous things and make a great name for yourself. And that king was so terrible, he did not last long. We're used to having leaders and officials in our nation that we can tell them what we want. And when they don't do what we want, we get mad. And I like our country. And I like that we can tell our leaders what we want. Uh, and, and, and to have a voice, that is an honor and a privilege. That's something very unique about where we live in the United States. But in ancient times, if you had a wicked king, you were stuck with them. Saul, a terrible king, a winkling, did not worship God. You even find he can't find a donkey when we're introduced to him. Donkeys are easy. They're loud, they're slow, they're dumb, they just wander. Stuck with him for 40 years. David was a righteous king. He had a couple of skeletons in the closet, 40 years. Many of the kings last for a very long time. If you're stuck with a wicked king, it's a gamble. Our king is eternal. So what does that mean? What if he's not righteous? What if he's not good? What if he's not trustworthy? What if he's weak? What if he's ignorant? What if he doesn't display justice? We're doomed. In the introduction of this prayer, like we covered last week, Jesus reminds us that he is our father. He is our loved father. He wants to have that relationship with us, that intimacy with us. Fathers have the best interests interest of their children at heart. The good ones do. The ones that are connected. So we come to the sovereign knowing that he is our father. And in the introduction, we're reminded he's in heaven. So limited resources here. Nothing is beyond his abilities. Nothing escapes his view. We can hear of politicians. We can learn of kings who were not so influential. Maybe they had a vision or a desire, but no ability, no influence. The military might behind them wasn't so mighty after all. And they lost their land and the people were taken into slavery and bound. Not so with our God. But we're left questioning that. Now. Where, where, where is this kingdom? What influence, what, what power do we have? When Jesus guides us to say, your kingdom come... What, what's going on there? Now, before I even answer what's going on there, I, I want to show that this is building up on how we are to hallow God's name. How are we to revere God and see it as sublime? 
by longing for this kingdom. Our citizenship in heaven is far greater than a citizenship or a membership anywhere else. Our belonging to this eternal state is more joyous and more precious than any other membership or family you belong in. I want you to think about your family tree. Those who you love dearly and those who are always there for you, those who were with you in those awkward teenage moments, those that were with you in times of sickness, those that were with you when you were embarrassed because you sinned immensely and were selfish, those who celebrated you among victories and triumphs, not all of those precious faces you will see in glory. That's heavy to think about. Not every family member in your tree recognizes this sovereign, elevates his name, knows him as father. My prayer is that the majority and that all of us would be of this kingdom and belong to this citizenship. You might have not been there when I was learning how to walk. Thanks be to God, you didn't see me through some of my most embarrassing phases as a teen. But I pray the majority of the members in this room will celebrate eternity together in this kingdom. I'm going to name names. Um, Greg, I could see you counting in the middle of worship because your background and just leading orchestra. And it was just so fun to see you tick as we're worshiping God. And Deb, I don't know why it was, you had the biggest smile on your face today. It almost made me cry. Uh, people are just happy to be together. That's how a church should be. And you might not see this, but here is a kingdom. We are citizens of this kingdom. We are underneath a banner, beloved, that, that has won that has been inaugurated and will be consummated later on. But the word kingdom can be confusing. What does Jesus mean? Your kingdom come. Jesus followed after an eccentric man in the desert who ate honey, said repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. John, John was pretty eccentric eating locusts, condemning and shooing away all the religious people, getting people wet in a river, and, and the Jews didn't want to do that. That symbolized a need for spiritual washing and renewal. They were God's covenant people. They belonged to Abraham. They didn't need any of that washing. Jesus follows him, and he speaks of a kingdom that no one sees. They, they try and elevate him onto a throne and give him a sword and, and he slips out in the back through the curtains. No one knows where he goes. They're wanting to know, when is this kingdom to come? He says, that's, that's none of your business. You don't need to know. Are you serious? You, 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 you are the king of the eternal kingdom. You are the Messiah. You are to rule the nations with an iron fist. You're not telling us when it's, when it's to actualize 
Remember when Jesus meets Peter. He says, throw the net on the other side. He's saying, young rabbi, teacher, I'll humor you. And Jesus causes the catch to be so great, Peter's gear can't keep up with the catch. Now, after that, Peter could have said, man, what a kingdom I could create in the fish market. But he doesn't. He says, you are a holy man. I am wicked. Flee. Matthew, the, the tax collector, he, he sacrificed, he, 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 he sold out his name, his Jewishness, to be rich. He worked for the Roman government now. That means the family didn't want to interact with him. He worked for Gentiles. And how did he make a living working for Gentiles? He stole money from his own people. And he meets Jesus, and Jesus doesn't say, hey... You, you wait until you visit the entourage that hangs out with me. He says, no, let, let's go on a journey, on a ministry that is supplied by charity. I imagine Matthew has some delicacies. And now he goes with a king who doesn't have a place to lay his head. One more story, and then, then we'll get further into this. Another example. The woman at the well. Terrible reputation. So poor she couldn't gather water when the other Samaritan women gathered water. Not just Jewish women, Samaritan women. He talks to her about living water. She believes and she leaves her physical jug aside. She's found the kingdom. She's drank of the water. And she's full. When we speak of kingdoms, we, we regularly think, and appropriately so, of, of a king and their jurisdiction. Land, a people, a culture. There's lines somewhere on a map to show how far their power exerted itself. There is a true sense in which God is, God's kingdom is everything beneath the stars and the sun. That's true. I mean, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And, and we, we can't say to God, this is ours, not yours. Um, your own intelligence is a gift God has given you. Your own personality not just the stuff at home, like what your essence is, he's owned because he's created it. When Jesus says, repent for the kingdom is at hand, I don't think Jesus is saying, God is now laying down a property line. Because we saw men and women repent and believe, and they were told to rejoice for the kingdom of God is at hand going to Luke 17, verse 20 through 21, Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees here. Luke says, now, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, 
here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is something completely unique to the other kingdoms of this earth. And it's within our midst. I believe this kingdom is God's spiritual and eternal kingdom. It is to be actualized. It is to be consummated. But at his coming, it was simply inaugurated. It was begun. This kingdom was brought forth with an announcement. Repent and believe. As we speak of the kingdom, I I can't not help but say this. Jesus came for sinners. The Bible says all of us were born in sin. None of us have escaped it. And none of us can get ourselves out of that dilemma. No good thing, no works, no intention, no talent can free you from the curse of sin. What's that curse? Death. Spiritually, you are now dead if you do not know Christ. And you have no ability to please your maker. And you are in need of a redeemer because you offended a holy, eternal God who is all righteous and all holy. But if you would repent, if you would turn from your sins, confess the need of Jesus and his works. We're saved by works. It's it's his though, not yours. If you confess him as Lord in need of him, if you place your faith in him, That means your whole life, not just you know him historically, or or not just that you you believe what he says is true, but, but you also trust him your whole life before his feet. If you fully follow in faith, beloved, you are given a new spirit. You are born again. John 3, 3, Jesus says, one must be born again. How can you rebirth yourself Physically impossible. How can you reinvent yourself? You can't. I was not in the decision process when my parents had the ingenious idea to have me. And I cannot reinvent myself. I must experience a rebirth. So I believe this kingdom is spiritual. When we're asking that this kingdom come, we have to be careful about what we think kingdom is. For for many of us, we think kingdom means success. Kingdom means strength. Kingdom means easy. Kingdom means popular. Kingdom means you have a say-so. And God's kingdom isn't built that way. It's just simply not built that way. Uh, My contribution to this is to lovingly submit to my Father and my Sovereign with yes and amen, with joy. Not that it's always easy. Like I just said, 
there, there, are, there are things about this kingdom that challenge us. So I've mentioned a little bit before how I've done chaplaincy. And I can speak about experiences broadly now because there have been several times I come to a person's bedside. Their health completely taken from them. They have a history with the Lord. They have favorite passages they like read to them. They have songs they like to sing, okay? They're not just moderately kind of in the family. They know Jesus. But they wrestle with, just like me, but in a more profound way, how, how is the kingdom among us right now? My health is gone. My finances, probably by now, are drained. I have nothing except four walls and a hospital bed and a machine that keeps going beep, beep, beep. What does God want me to do next? Being a citizen often means knowing who you are to be. Not what you are to do. Now, now both are included here. Maybe right now you're wondering, God, you've removed so many things from my life. And my life doesn't parallel other kingdoms, other healthy citizens. My integrity is is being poked at. Um, There's a competing citizenship on this earth that is hostile against me. Work is difficult. How is this kingdom, how am I flourishing underneath your lordship here? And I believe when Jesus is praying for Christ's kingdom to come, I believe he is asking us that the invitation would be made. That we would ask that those who do not know the Lord to repent of their sins and to enter in by faith. I believe when we're speaking of this kingdom coming, we're, we're, we're anticipating a further more vivid experience of us growing in holiness. Now, if we're, if we're to be desiring this kingdom, this means that we also surrender our citizenship to other things. No other belonging is more important to this. There's to be no competition with other voices that say, join us and we will give you prosperity and we will give you deliverance and we are all powerful. There are many things that scream for your allegiance. I mean, you should be having it in the back, back of your mind. Is he going to stop, start speaking political? I mean, I mean, our politics scream for loyalty. And if you voted for the wrong thing or the wrong person at the wrong time... Where are we going to put you in this kingdom, this citizenship? Um, college students, you're going to have competing groups that demand your loyalty. And they're going to shame you with how unloving you are if you really love Jesus. How judgmental. 
You might want to say, look, I don't, I don't write the rules. I'm sorry, it is what it is. Don't respond that way. Say, I don't write the rules, but I yes and amen every one of them. Unapologetically. Go ahead and call me weird. He said it. I know it's good. It's lasted. It's going to last. It's come from eternity past, and it's going to eternity future, and our time in college is going to pass, and we're both going to change. Lord willing, both going to change. What kingdom are you having to compete against? Then he mentions, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A lot can be said about the will of God, so I'm going to boil it down to two very simple things. There's a side of God's will that is unknown, like when this kingdom happens, the mystery of the Trinity. There are many things we don't know. And then there's things we do know, like how to walk in obedience, to be faithful, to be loving. To be holy. And, and how much of our time do we spend trying to figure out the unknown? In my prayer, goodness, beloved, spending so much time off scale, wanting to know the unknown. Just reveal to me the future. Let me know how I can fall on the other side without messing everything up. Let me know what I can say or do to be at peace with everyone or give me secret insight so I can win. Or explain yourself why I'm here. Help me understand how you're loving because right now I am ready to just scream or break. Show me more of that unknown will of yours. Make me God-like. Make me God. Answer to me, Sovereign One. Explain your plan of this kingdom. Many of us complain how big this book is. Many of us, we spend a whole year trying to read through it. Your king was gracious in writing a book. He did not have to. Within it, there are beautiful, fascinating things. Stylistically, historically, redemptively. We don't have time for it. We want to know what God's doing. We don't have time for it. I got to know what's going on right now and what's going on tomorrow. I hope you hear the rebuke in that. Your will be done, I believe, is a simple exhortation for us. Lord, help us be obedient. In what way? To what magnitude? And then this is where the, the load gets really, really heavy. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus doesn't, or sorry, God the Father doesn't ask twice for the heavenly host to follow in obedience. He, he, he doesn't have to repeat himself. He doesn't have to emphasize, no, this time for real. 
listen, I know what the heavenly culture is like right now and I understand the tensions, but still come back. And, that, that, no, that's not how it goes in heaven. Blissful, joyful obedience and dedication. Celebration that God our King is among us and worship. How are we to obey? God, I'm going to do it because I know I have to do it. I have a church family, I have a family, I have co-workers, they all know what I am and what I profess to be. Or I know that if I do this, it's going to be almost like karma. That's kind of how you work. You know, if I do something bad, I'm going to get a bad thing here. We, we, we play all these manipulative games with ourselves on, on why we obey when we obey. But we are to be obedient on earth as it is in heaven. To summarize 9 and 10, Jesus has asked us of this. One second. Girls. It's a bigger church still. Behave. Jesus has encouraged us to come to him as Father. To enjoy him and to trust him. Yes, to fear him in a sense like you've just seen but to trust and love him because he desires the very best for them because he has given his own son so that we might come to his feet. So he tells his children, celebrate me, magnify me. He tells them, pray that my kingdom would be received and heard that the gospel would go forth and that those who are being delivered from sin and darkness would realize this kingdom that I am creating is filled with outcasts, filled with unrighteous, filled with the poor who have been redeemed and renewed and added value to. And when you pray, pray that he would grant you obedience. Because this kingdom requires faith for entrance and it requires faith and endurance to persevere in a sanctifying way. I want to encourage you this week in your obedience find it a joy. That will take work. Let's pray. Lord, your law is good. Your kingship is magnificent. May we rest under your lordship and not pull away. And Holy Spirit, may you comfort our fears as we live in a world with competing citizenships. May we be faithful to proclaiming the gospel and not clubs and not groups. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.